My name is Kelsey. And my name is April. And this is the Taste Buds Podcast. A podcast where we, registered dietitians, answer your burning nutrition questions. And talk all things food, cooking, research, and wellness. So sit tight and enjoy this taste of nutrition from a couple of buds. <laughs> Hello and welcome back to the Hello. Podcast. <laughs> Hi, we're here. Kelsey. We've done it. You are only how many hours? Two I hour know. difference away from me now. I'm <laughs> now two of, hours ahead of you. Instead of whatever it was before. Like it was 19. like 20 hours behind <laughs> or in front. Better. Better. Yeah. Much better. Yeah. Better. Um, yeah, I'm here at my mom's house. I've got a change of scenery. Oh, beautiful, beautiful. Yes, this is my my bedroom here. <laughs> um <laughs> And um, unfortunately, didn't get to come and see you because I know. COVID strikes again and just screws <sighs> worst. everything up. But it's okay. I was thinking about it and I was like, you know what? I was only going to be able to see you for maybe like two dinners. And now mm-hmm. we can get a trip where we can put some time, time aside and like, yeah. you know, and do fun things. So mm-hmm. yeah, exactly. Yeah. We should probably tell people. Kelsey didn't have COVID. I feel like no. made it sound like that. <laughs> just no, I didn't have wise. COVID. Um, I just uh, I went to go get on my flight and I had the wrong COVID test. I had I it like I had to go to a GP or like a general practitioner and get like full documentation of everything with it. And instead, I went to a drive-through clinic and they didn't give me that documentation. So I was like, oh no. That's not great. And I didn't have time to get a new <laughs> test, obviously, before my flight. So I, was, I got the next flight out of New Zealand. And unfortunately, they only have two flights to the U.S. per week. <laughs> so, that is wild. I, know. I guess that makes sense. Yeah. So instead of going on Sunday night and coming to you and then going to my mom's house, I went on Thursday night and I flew directly to Nashville and hung out with my friend Sarah, like my best friend, for a couple of days. And then my mom came and picked mm-hmm. me up and drove me back down to Birmingham. And here I am. How was your Halloween? It was so fun. I ended up being a um, Catwoman. <laughs> and I got my nails done to match. I saw that. They look magnificent. Thank you. I know we I talked about it. And I'm really – it's my first round of acrylics ever, and I'm really worried because I love them, and I think I'm going to sink a lot of this <laughs> in my lifetime. <laughs> I have to tell you, because I never get acrylics, but after our discussion, I went and got acrylics too. Yes! <laughs> and I have to tell you, I love them too, and I'm very scared about it. You're like, oh, no, I'm about to spend, like, so much money. <laughs> I know. They're so expensive. But they're so fun. They are so fun. And they look really good, by the way. Right? Thank you. You do too. I'm excited. What were you? What did you do? You went to Vegas. How was that? I went to Vegas. Um, it was fine. We went for Joe's cousin's 21st birthday. So that was a lot. It was like the whole family. I've never gone to Vegas with like the whole family. There was like aunts, uncles, grandparents, Hi. siblings, parents. So that was really fun. Um, I am not a huge fan of Vegas just because it's the smell of smoke really makes me super nauseous and mm-hmm. everybody smokes there excessively because it's all casinos. I guess that makes sense. I've never been really. I was just going to ask you if you've been. So mm-hmm. I, I like, I think the, the birthday girl had a wonderful time, which is the whole point of the trip. So that was yeah. great. Um, but I will say if I never went back to Vegas again in my life, I wouldn't lose any sleep over it. <laughs> I 
<laughs> I've been, it's just so expensive. I'm like, I'm yeah. paying so much money to breathe in smoky air for a weekend. Is, is it just the whole city? Is it just like a dome of cigarettes? Basically. Um, and then everything is just like wildly expensive. Just wow. crazy expensive. Um, but mm. yeah. Uh, Dang. But you know, it was what it was. We didn't dress up at all, which... I also didn't lose any sleepover because I, you know, I'm not a huge fan of Halloween. I don't not like it, but the effort it takes to dress up, I just, I don't, I can't take myself there. <laughs> yeah, I guess you're right. I'm the opposite. I'm so extra. I'm like, I want to dress it, up. For I everything. want to be on your level. Like I have the desire, but I don't have the drive. I think I get a little too excited though. Like I love dressing up I love a theme I love costumes Mm -hmm. um in New Zealand people don't care about holidays at all even like Christmas day they'll be like that's sad yeah Christmas day they say oh it's Christmas like should we have a barbecue or something a barbecue right because you haven't been planning this for three months (laughs) the music starts now it's November yeah yeah I was like this is crazy but even on Halloween last year in New Zealand, I went to a music festival. They threw a Mardi Gras music festival on Halloween um, because it got it got postponed from regular Mardi Gras because of COVID. Oh, okay. that makes sense. So they pushed it to Halloween, and I was like, "Well, I'll wear something that's like middle ground." So I wore like all black. I wore just like a black skirt and a black sweater, and then I had like black cat ears two black cats in a row I just had like plain black cat ears and was like this is this is fine Perfect. this is nothing this is not a costume at all I felt overdressed I was like I'm did you really <laughs> oh like God. no one wore any like there was a few people that were funny wearing like a group costume and they were like oh mm-hmm. like we're wearing like a onesie of whatever but most people were just like no I'm just wearing my regular like jeans and a t-shirt or whatever and I was That's like interesting. Oh, well See, I These look cute. I, I bet you did. And I look <laughs> up to people who are really so into it and love doing it. And I think a group costume would be so fun. It's just I'm lacking the effort. So mm. if someone came along and was like, April, this is what you're wearing for Halloween. We're doing group costume. And they told me what to do. I'd be like, okay, fine. I'm here that is, yeah, that's, that's amazing. <laughs> I need instruction. Yeah. I'm, see, I'm like, I'm that person in the friend group. I'm the one that says, hey, guys, this is the thing we're doing. I've set it all up. All you have to do is show up. <laughs> and that's what I need. I need you here in Arizona to tell me that every holiday. Well, I mean, this is why we're friends. This is why we do things. <laughs> we complement each other so well. We really do. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have to share that the most exciting thing that's happened this week so far is that I got a new office chair and it was delivered yesterday. Ooh. It's hard for you to kind of see in here. Right? Fancy. But it's like... So the I office like chair since I've been sitting in has been one that um, Joe's parents were kind enough to give to us because they got a new office chair. So we're using that. But for my birthday back in September, mm-hmm. Joe gifted me an office chair, but he w- he didn't like pick it out. He's like, I'm giving you an office chair, but go pick out one that you like. And it took me eight years to choose things oh like it always does because yeah. I just don't want to spend money on anything I don't love. So <laughs> I finally found one and I'm obsessed with it so far. But I'm giving it a trial run because mm. it has a 14-day return policy. But I'm really obsessed with the part that I can't show you. The base of it is, like, all gold. Ooh. And I just really love it. Very flash. Yes. Are you just mm. going to sit mm. in it for two weeks straight and see if it hurts your back? That's my plan. Yeah. That's <laughs> well, fair. I was going to sit, sit in it for 
the day yeah trial it out and see if it hurts my back so far so good so far today it's been great I'm currently working at like a makeshift desk in this room because my mom was like well you we don't really have a desk but I know that you're gonna need to work so she pulled me out a card table and one of the matching chairs from (laughs) the attic and I'm also right now I'm sitting in this like very very old wicker chair you can't see it but it's just this like old white wicker chair that I feel very low but Mm -hmm. I feel like you also your computer sits high so now I feel like you're actually closer to the same thing yeah I don't know yeah I agree innovation innovation everyone that's not listening or not watching on YouTube is just like you guys are only talking about your surroundings (laughs) (laughs) just talking about them well Shall we jump in and get started? With I the think we shall, April. I'm on research. You're on recipe, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes, ma'am. Okay. All right, ladies and gents, we'll be right back with our research segment. Excellent. See you soon. Bye. Bye. Oh, <laughs> I was eating a raisin. <laughs> no, I'm also going to munch a little bit. Um... This is during our lunch time, so... We're quietly what have you got for lunch right now? You've just got trail mix? This is, yeah, I have trail mix to hold me over until I can have my real lunch, but mm. that's a pretty good trail mix. It's kind of just your basic mix of, you know, almonds, peanuts, M&M's, uh, raisins, nice. and cashews. Oh, nice. Yeah. I'm a fan of the snack plate, which is what I work, I'm working on right now. I usually just get a big plate of a bunch of foods. I like diversity. Mm-hmm. So I've got a big plate. I've got some roasted almonds, olives some triscuits, green beans, carrots, some manchego cheese, and grapes. And that sounds really good. And a packet of M&M's. <laughs> we both have M&M's today. Oh, my gosh. Which is funny because... every day. Do you have M&M's every day? Uh, may- not, to- not M&M's, but every day. some sort of chocolate. Yeah. yeah. I rarely have M&M's because I'm not a big fan of them unless they're in trail mix. I only have them because... We did Halloween on Saturday, and we've got a bunch I knew of you were going to say that. Yeah, it's just all these, like, little mini packets. So I was like, well, that's me. <laughs> I knew you were going to say it was because Halloween. <laughs> it was so cute. My mom has a really cute house in a cute neighborhood. There's lots of cute little kids. Oh, yay. It was okay. Cute. All right. Let's jump into the research. Okay. Tell us what you've got. All right, April. So what I've got this week is – you've already heard it before from me. Um <laughs> I have had the most insane week um, and two weeks probably of uh, in a long time. So I honestly didn't have tons of time to do this research. So I am covering something that I already have done the research for. (laughs) (laughs) And that would be my, um, I am covering something that I covered for a case study that I did in um, grad school. (laughs) memories i know so <laughs> i i presented this when we had to do our in-person one so i presented this mm-hmm. whole class two years ago and uh, earlier today i'm like oh my gosh i need to get this research together mm-hmm. and i was trying to find something and i said you know what i have a study that's good i've already put it together i'm just going to share it i'm going to do it old faithful you cannot go wrong with that and yes. I love that it was in the last two years so it stays within our five-year parameter still yeah. up to date still relevant perfect yes. great yes. choice yes thank you oh so, can you hear that truck driving no. outside no you're right you're okay I have my window open sorry ladies and gents if you you're can good hear. oh sorry gentle friends if you can gentle friends <laughs> <I apologize. laughs> um so the 
premise of this case study, it's kind of cool because it's one thing and then it turns into another thing. My case study was a patient um, with a BMI of 65.4. I remember this. Yep. You know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, 65.4. Current weight is 204 kilograms. So that's about 450 pounds. So, um, and, and my physical assessment is well-nourished with no muscle or fat depletion, appears morbidly obese, generalized edema present. So what that really means is that there's no muscle or fat depletion, but there is edema. So that means they're holding onto fluid, but it doesn't seem like they're malnourished, um, which is going to be a key part to this towards the end. Um, but what happened with this patient was they had pancreatitis. So the usual um, MNT or medical nutrition therapy for pancreatitis is a low fat diet um, just to help with digestion of fat. Um, so that was kind of what we said. We said, hey, here's a low fat diet. Also, um, we did kind of give a um, weight loss education. It was when I was in my grad school uh grad school clinical rotation so I also think it's important to note that and we kind of talked about this in a previous episode about clinical practice versus non-clinical practice and like you'll notice that Chelsea mentioned BMI because in clinical practice and in our healthcare system they still look at things like BMI or they still require us as dietitians to provide educations like weight loss educations whether or not we may agree that they are beneficial sometimes we are required to do those things when we may not want to like if the doctor orders it or something like that yes and those those um biomarkers as well are really important for um what i'm going to go into as too so um kind of the study that's based off of this case study it all it all ties in so those are important well you don't have to know the specific number but it's important to note them Um, Okay, so we did that. After uh, my education, the patient got a gallbladder removal and then left. Then at a follow-up, he came back and he had um, lost 80 pounds. Oh, you know what my first question is? I need to ask. I don't want to interrupt. Over how much time did he lose this weight? Um, the, The next one was January 8th. So he presented on October mid-October and follow-up was in January. So this is October, November, December, January. So about three months later, a little less than three months later. So 80 pounds in three months is a lot. Is a lot. Is a lot. <laughs> um, and although people that are at much higher weights do lose weight faster, if that's kind of within their health goals, um, that's a lot of weight to lose. Mm-hmm. So everyone's like, great. Awesome. The patient also reported poor appetite, vomiting, abdominal pain, tachycardia. So that means that the patient lost 20% of their weight in two months, which is crazy. Um, And things like edema, muscle, and fat depletion, which are all measures of malnutrition, were not mentioned in the follow-up. Were they evaluated? No, they weren't evaluated for that. So that's my point here. They're often overlooked in the healthcare system. So people, oh, sorry. I was just going to point out they're often overlooked. I agree, especially in people who tend to be with in larger bodies because 
healthcare workers assume or healthcare professionals assume that because they're in a larger body, there's no way they could be malnourished. And that is farthest from the truth. You can absolutely be malnourished and be at risk for malnutrition, even if you're in a larger body and have a BMI of 65. Yes. So that is the study I'm actually talking about this week. Um, So something that I noticed well, something that I've added to is another study from the Critical Care Medicine Meta-Analysis, and it says 60% of obese patients suffer from malnutrition, which is a lot. Mic drop. I know. Mic drop. <laughs> um, so the study that I'm actually going through is called Malnutrition, Poor Food Intake, and Adverse Health Care Outcomes in Non-Critically Ill Obese Acute Care Hospital Patients. So really what that means is they're looking at malnutrition in obese patients because it's so rarely actually, you know, used to uh, like when they're doing a nutritional evaluation. <laughs> the study design, it was a prospective cohort study. So they looked at 3,000 non-critically ill um, inpatients that were over 18 years old. Um, they looked at BMI nutritional status and 24 hour food intake. Um, in another phase, they also looked at the length of stay readmissions and in, in hospital mortality. So they looked at a lot of cool things here, really great, uh, markers, I think, and measures in the study. And the results were that 14% of those patients were malnourished, which is a lot. Wild. <laughs> Um, and 70% of those malnourished obese patients didn't receive additional nutrition support. So that means that even though they were malnourished, they didn't re- receive any um, support, meaning like tube feeding or extra um, shakes, which are given to, it's part of our protocol to give to mm-hmm. um, people that are malnourished. Education on how to combat, eat if you're not, have nausea or vomiting, just anything. Yes. And um, they also noted that 28% of those patients also only consumed um, either a quarter or less than a quarter of the offered meals that they were given at the hospital. Again, why isn't this noticed? (laughs) Um, But overall, those two things, so malnutrition in those patients and the low intake, increases their odds of in-hospital mortality, which means death in the hospital within 90 days of their admission. And a lot of it is because, like, a lot of healthcare professionals aren't trained in nutrition, like dietitians are, so they don't, they automatically assume that if a patient comes in and is obese, that they would never be malnourished, so they don't consult the dietitian um at all so they never end up seeing them but I'm so glad that you brought this up because I actually had a discussion with somebody about this recently explaining how someone in a larger body or who is technically maybe diagnosed as obese or overweight can be malnourished because Mm -hmm. it's just so common in our society when we say the word malnutrition we picture somebody with you know, their ribs showing and just no fat or muscle in their bodies at all, just being able to see their bones, basically. And it's could not be farther from the truth. Yes, that person you're picturing probably most likely has malnutrition, but that doesn't negate people who are in larger bodies, they can absolutely still be malnourished. I mean, that's why it's so important to never eat like if you're trying to eat in a caloric deficit to never eat too little because you could end up being malnourished no matter what size body that you're in and what you look like. There are so many other factors that come into play. Yeah, 100%. 
Um, so just the major takeaways from this study overall is that there's a lot of malnourished patients out there um, that are in larger bodies that have really significantly poor health outcomes just because of their size. Um, they are still also the least likely to receive additional nutrition support. Just because someone's in a larger body doesn't mean they don't deserve food, guys. True that. Another mic drop. <laughs> mic drop. Um, BMI alone cannot be used as a surrogate measure for nutritional status, which means you can't only look at change in weight. Weight is like, I, I've said it before. Weight is just one of the numbers that are associated with your body. You've got to look at so many other, you can look at blood biomarkers. You can look at physical changes. Um, you can look at, you know, there's so many other things that should be taken into account when looking at, um, nutrition status and looking at, you know, change and mm -hmm. you know health of a human being um weight is not the end-all be-all and it doesn't always matter <laughs> I would say absolutely I agree and in terms of BMI it's such a archaic way of looking at things and as registered dietitians where we can legally diagnose malnutrition and in order to diagnose somebody with something like any medical condition you have to follow protocols and that person has to meet certain standards in order to be diagnosed and there are different diagnostic criteria in order to diagnose someone else mal malnourished and BMI is not one of them yeah because it's doesn't really tell us anything we look at things like the edema fluid accumulation like Kelsey mentioned um Things like poor appetite. How have they been eating? Hear the other truck outside my window. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, guys. I need to close my window. <laughs> poor appetite, um, muscle wasting, fat wasting. We do like physical exams to feel for muscle or fat wasting, um, and then excessive weight loss, similar to what Kelsey mentioned. Something like eighty pounds, twenty percent of their body weight in three months is way too much, way too fast. Yeah. Um, so it has nothing to do with um, BMI, and it has nothing to do with their starting weight and whether or not they were healthy or what their starting weight means. It's just that percentage of weight loss over so quickly. That is what matters. Yeah. And the thing that's important to think about too, is that, you know, if an, if a straight sized person or, a, or a, even someone in a very small body came in and lost 20% of their weight over two months, that would call for extreme, um, you know, extreme measures. People would say, oh my goodness, what happened? What's going on? Let's look at everything that's going on here. Whereas, you know, someone presents with, you know, that 20% um, weight loss in a larger body, they go, oh, look, they're trying. Yeah, it's exactly. That's awful. Just, we need to change the way our healthcare system is yeah. constructed. <laughs> yeah. What a great study. I'm so glad you brought this back. Thank it was so, you. It's so cool to revisit it you know, two years later, you know, more further into the field and having more experience and things like that in the field. Definitely. So. Definitely. Well, I hope you I enjoyed can. hearing it again. <laughs> I did. <laughs> and this time I feel like you got to talk, talk to, because last time I was just like, here, everyone, here's what I learned. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. Cause you're presenting. Yeah. Wonderful job. Thank I love you. it. All right. Shall we move on to the recipe? We shall. Sweet. See you soon. Bye. Got it. <laughs> that satisfying sound of it. Just yeah. popping open. That can be the start of the recipe. <sighs> <laughs> welcome back, everybody, to the recipe segment. Welcome, 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 welcome. welcome, welcome, welcome. Pop open your seltzers and enjoy. <laughs> oh, I got a seltzer too. What brand do you have? 
I have lemon. I have lemon lime, lime, and I'm trying this new brand called Waterloo. Oh, we have some of those. We have grape ones though, and oh yeah, water doesn't seem. No, you don't like it. (laughs) I don't think grape water is a thing. Um, I don't mind the grape one. They we have lemon lime, grape, and strawberry, but they were on sale at Costco, so. Lovely. Are you making grape seltzer for your recipe this week? Yes. And all <laughs> uh, it's super easy. All you have to do is grab yourself a can and <laughs> crack it open and we're ready to go. <laughs> all right. On to the next segment. And next segment. <laughs> um, okay. So today we're going to be talking about a recipe that I concocted in my brain. <laughs> oh my gosh. Fun. Because of a sample that I had at Costco. Ooh. So Costco samples are not back in full force because of the pandemic, but they are creeping back. So I know you probably haven't been to a Costco in years because you've been over in New Zealand. I meant to go tomorrow, though. Oh, you are? Okay. Well, the samples aren't back in full force, but they do have them every once in a while. So they had this sample the other day of this Alfredo sauce. And normally I just can never find an Alfredo sauce that I like that comes in a can or a jar but I was like okay I'll try this one and it was very good so I got inspired I bought this tomato sauce or this alfredo sauce and then I got these portobello mushrooms and frozen shrimp and then I was at the grocery store later on and I saw this pasta that was for sale for like 99 cents I was like sweet perfect so I made myself and Joe a little concoction you need to think of like a good name for it mushroom and shrimp alfredo pasta is what i created like a lovely name that sounds so good i feel like (laughs) i could name it something fancier but that's what it is you could call it um what's what's shrimp in italian isn't it something oh like scampi is scampi shrimp in italian i really think so let's confirm (laughs) what is (laughs) You're the Italian here, April. <laughs> yeah, I know. I feel like a failure <laughs> in Italian. <laughs> I'm working on it, okay? <laughs> Shrimp. What does scampi mean in Italian? I'm getting mixed results. Yeah. I think you're right. I think scampi does refer to a type of shrimp yes. or prawn. So we're going to go with that. I okay. made a mushroom Alfredo scampi. Okay. Love it. Okay. We'll go with that. I love it. Anyways, and it was actually pretty easy. So all I did was, you know, normal stuff with pasta, boiled some water, popped the pasta in there. And I ended up using um, whole wheat pasta, which I normally like to buy just because it's higher in fiber. So gets my digestive system going. But I also, like I said, I just happened upon it because it was on sale for 99 cents at the grocery store. And I love me a good sale. And the uh, whole wheat pasta is not normally on sale. But anyways, you don't necessarily need to use that. You could use any type of pasta of your preference. I know a lot of people these days like that chickpea pasta. What's it called? Banza or Banza? Banza. Yeah. I have a hot take on that. Do you oh, like let's it? hear it. So I've heard all these things about Banza pasta and how amazing it is. So the other day I went to the grocery store all excited to try it and I didn't like it very much. It's stiff. Hey. Yeah. It's, I didn't, I didn't care for it. So I was kind of disappointed. But anyways, if you do like it, you could use that. You could use regular pasta, whatever floats your boat. But that's what I ended up using. So I boiled the pasta, cooked the pasta, sauteed up the mushrooms. They're baby portobellas, baby bellas, as they're called on the label, which I think was really cute. And (laughs) I love buying frozen shrimp because, first of all, I love shrimp. 
great source of protein. But shrimp is just so easy and quick to thaw out. It takes literally two seconds. Just run it under some water and a colander. So I just seasoned it, honestly, with just some random seasonings. I think umami and then salt and pepper. Put it in a pan, sauteed it real quick. And then I just mixed everything together. Mushrooms, shrimp, Alfredo sauce, pasta. And it was great. Love it. That sounds proud of myself for that. so good. I love a good pasta dish a good scampi a good scampi <laughs> I'm more of I'm actually more of a red sauce kind of gal um mm-hmm. the creamy sauces don't do me very good they're they don't they're not great for my stomach I'm okay. I'm usually fine with most lactose but um personally when I have like really creamy sauces or like really sugary like milkshakes or mm-hmm. um some ice cream some ice creams are okay some ice creams are not okay and um, my stomach makes sure I know if it's okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but that sounds delish. I, I do love Alfredo. It's just my stomach doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> well, you could do this, but you could use a red sauce. You don't have to use Alfredo. Yeah. That would be really good. Like a marinara yeah. or something. Or even like olive oil and garlic or butter and garlic. You Ooh, do that yeah. Too. Yeah. Like a, like a lemony, that would be good too. Yeah. If you wanted to oh switch God. it up. Get creative. Switch it up. Yeah. Do you remember the brand of the Alfredo that you got from Costco? Sonoma. Sonoma. I think that's mm. what it was called. Fancy. So yeah, everyone, if you... Yeah, blue label. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. So if you want to go make a Alfredo with a Costco sauce... Head Sonoma. on down. Yeah. <laughs> We're not sponsored. <laughs> We're not sponsored yet. <laughs> yet. Oh, I like that. It's positivity. Positivity. We're manifesting here, April. Yes, we are manifesting. Um, but yeah, I liked it a lot. It was delicious. And it just kind of, oh, you see that fly? If you're I watching do. YouTube, you just saw that fly bebop through <laughs> here. Um, I think it's just a good representation of how, you know, eating a balanced diet and reaching your health goals and having health longevity doesn't mean you have to eat salads all day long. You can have Alfredo sauce and pasta and and all the good stuff too so yeah definitely I mean yeah I feel like in that recipe you've got you've got a good carb you've got a good protein you've got nice lots of veggies you've got some healthy fats in there oh we had brussels sprouts on the side too because oh. bals- balsamic brussels sprouts I forgot about that oh my gosh that sounds so good it was wow. really good. I was like a chef that night it's very proud of me you're a chef all the time <laughs> it's like technically part of our job to be food people that is part of my job description not that we're chefs but we are chefs (laughs) (laughs) well yeah that was that and it was delicious yum I love it thank you for sharing I'll have to give it a go when I have a kitchen oh you know what I'm going down to Florida over the weekend and I'll be there for a week so I bet I can get some like really nice fresh um shrimp or crawfish or something i'll make it that scampi some scampi fresh (laughs) i need to confirm that you well you should confirm with your italian husband yeah i don't know if he knows (laughs) my mother-in-law might know she's better (laughs) with italian words (laughs) all right well check back and we'll confirm (laughs) okay (laughs) on to the next section and we'll see you guys or talk to you guys in a minute all right bye bye we're back. <laughs> We're back. Taste buddies. <laughs> I like taste buddies more than gentle friends, I think. I think gentle friends is a little maybe not on brand. 
Taste Buddies it is. Welcome back, Taste Buddies, to my favorite segment, the question and answer section. The FAQ. The FAQ. The Ask a Dietitian. Ask the Taste Buddies dietitians. (laughs) Get your answers. This episode, in case you didn't guess from the title, it costs a pretty penny to go on that diet. We're talking about a little bit about fad diets and we're addressing some questions around dieting, fad diets, and all of that good stuff. So let's kick it off with our first question. Okay. Do you want to read it or do you want me to? It does not matter. Do you do you have a preference? I will read it. Okay. okay. <laughs> question number one. How do you make sure you're giving your body what it needs without obsessively tracking your diet? That's a really good question. I love that question. I do too. There are a myriad of ways to do that. Some of them include, you know, listening to your hunger and fullness cues. Your body is incredibly smart and it knows when you need fuel and when you don't. So making sure to listen when you're hungry, eating when you're hungry, stopping when you're not. Um, so that you're getting the right amount of calories in. And then also focusing on not only satisfying your cravings, but I always like to talk about building that balanced plate. Um, And if you really focus on trying to build that balanced plate to properly fill you, keep you satisfied, and really hit all of the different food categories, then you're going to hit all of your macro and micronutrients. So that's eating a fruit or vegetable, getting a protein, getting a fat, getting a complex carb, like a whole grain in there, and then drinking lots of fluid and trying to get that in with trying to build that balance, play with all meals and snacks. Um, that doesn't mean that you have to every time if you're not craving it, if you're not hungry enough for it, or if you're not in a situation where you can get that, but just trying your best to do that so that you can properly fuel yourself. Yeah. Thoughts, Kelsey? Definitely. I I agree. I'm definitely like a big um supporter of learning your hunger and fullness cues it can be a game changer and personally for me I'll talk about that in a little bit but personally for me when I was able to actually lose control of everything that was going on I gained so much more control actually like when I'm was able to relinquish all the things that my brain was trying to tell my body. You can't have this. We have to stop here. This is the only number you can have of whatever it is. When I was able to actually like step away from that, that was when my body kind of took all the control from me and said, Hey, I know what I'm doing. I can do this on my own. So instead of, you know, taking charge and saying it has to be this, it has to be that like your body will tell you if you just let go a little bit. Um, and personally, like I don't allow any numbers in my circle. Like I don't look at my weight. I don't look at calories. I don't look at any macros. I don't look at any micros really either. I don't even like, I don't even like to see how far I run or how long it took me to run or how long I've worked out. Like I don't want any numbers around my health personally, because it, it, doesn't work for my for my lifestyle. It works for some people's and that's fine. But for me, I don't want it because it makes me overthink it and it makes me obsessively track it and it's just not healthy for me to have around. And that might be a thing for you too. Mm-hmm. And when you're able to actually let your body say, hey, I'm feeling hungry right now or hey, I've had enough of this meal or you know, whatever all the things it's telling you, it's amazing and it, it really is 
it truly is changes the game and i'm glad you brought up um the control part of it because i think that's such a huge thing that I, i usually have to touch on with my clients is that when people are come to me and they've been tracking or um, giving points to their food or following a specific diet, it makes them feel in control, but really they're not in control at all because the food is controlling them because they can't eat certain things. Or if they go over this and it's stressful or they feel guilty versus if you relinquish that, those restrictions and you actually give over, like you were talking about, um, what your body's telling you wrapped a neat little package with nutrition education and choosing what's going to make you feel good. Then you actually gain back that control because you don't lose control around foods that you were previously restricting. You know, you don't overeat and then get in that overeat restrict cycle. You don't have that last supper syndrome and all of those things. Um, So I totally agree. And I had another point that I can't remember what I was going to (laughs) say. It really bugged me. Was it about Uh, something I was talking about? Okay. So I think the other thing too with um, diets in general is that everyone is looking for something to blame or some way to magically control or get to where they want to be health-wise. And there are ways to do that without pointing fingers, without villainizing anything or without having that extreme control. So hot take, but you don't necessarily need to exactly hit your macros perfectly every day. The only time I would say macros, I would encourage someone to pay more attention to it is if, you know, you are an athlete and you are just getting in so much movement every day and so much exercise that really it's dangerous if you don't pay attention to it and make sure you're getting enough protein to build muscle so you can do your job correctly. But beyond that, for the average person, we just, as a society, we need to kind of let go a little bit of that whole, I need to hit my macros exactly. I need to do this exactly because you will get in the macros that you need. And if you have that nutrition education and that intuitive eating. Yeah. And look, like it does work for some people Mm -hmm. short term too. Maybe some people just want a good look at what, you know, what they're doing, what, you know, a meal plan looks like for them. It, It can work if it's, you know, I would say probably short term, um, short term, you just want a good picture of where you're at and what you're doing, mm-hmm. but long term, it's just going to be too, you're overthinking it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think, yeah. um, it's, it can be a good way to familiarize, familiarize yourself with all the things in nutrition, but long term, it's, it's a lot of stress. Yeah. And like Kelsey said, it does work for some people, um, but for the majority of people that I've seen, it does cause more stress, unhealthy relationship with food, and sometimes even disordered eating. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Next question. I'll read it off. Okay. Can you explain set point weight? Yes, I can. So your body is genetically predispositioned naturally predispositioned to have a weight that it's going to be. And this is the weight at which you don't need to, uh, the word I'm looking for is control your eating either to either higher than what your body would usually want or need or lower than what your body would usually want or need to stay at that weight. And that weight is also the weight at which if you stop doing those things, you'll probably get back to around that number. (laughs) Um, Everyone's set point weight is different. Some people's are, you know, 
at some point, some people are at another point and that's okay. Um, and another thing about set point as well is when we yo-yo diet and when we are going off and on diets, fads, things like that, it can rise. Um, especially because you are pretty much putting your body through restriction mode over and over again. So you're at one set point, you're restriction mode, you lose weight. And then your body goes, oh yes, that diet's over. That starvation time is over. I'm going to gain the weight back and then gain a little bit more for protection. And it stays here. And then if it happens again, it goes there. So, <laughs> so it keeps on going up and up the more yo-yo dieting happens. That's, that's a very wonderful description. Thank you, Kelsey. And you know what I think would be interesting is maybe one of our, in one of our episodes, doing a research segment on set point weight. Yeah. Just to dive a little bit deeper into it. I think that would be really cool. Definitely. All right. Last question. Sweet. Oh, that's me. Can- it's me. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want me to read it off? <laughs> um, I can. It's okay. <laughs> I was just like, mm-hmm. um, can you talk about the fat-free craze of the 90s? And then the sugar-free day, free craze of the 2000s and, you know, every craze since. Um, and, mm-hmm. and is it any good for you? I love this question. Um, and I think it just pay, paints a really good picture of what diet culture does to us as a society. Um, and I think a lot of these crazes can either come from, truthfully, like a celebrity, somebody who decides that, or somebody, some person who's, famous and decides that you know taking one thing out of their diet will be helpful and they promote it or it could come from a study that maybe shows some promise but isn't necessarily reliable and someone decides to take it and run with it whatever it is it's just the thing is is that everybody wants someone or something to blame and diet culture knows that people out there promoting diets know that they know that if they choose something to villainize and they tell society or people that hey if you cut this out of your diet, then you will achieve your health dreams. You'll lose all this weight. You'll gain less muscle. You'll be perfect. Everything will be perfect. And the reality is, is that's just not true. But diet culture sells it that if you don't, if you do this and don't succeed, then it's your fault. And that's just not true. So I think the crazes really come from stemming from that, maybe originally from someone who's famous or a study that maybe is, does, is not that reliable you know, some data that may promote it and using that and taking it and running with it. And then society just kind of takes it over and says, okay, sweet, do this now and it'll really work. And now, okay, now do this. The reality is you need fat in your diet and you also need sugar in your diet. Everything, you need everything in your diet and you need everything in your, by diet. It's, I always struggle with the word diet because as a clinician, and a registered dietitian saying diet isn't like a taboo or a negative word. It just is what it is. But it's just what you eat in a day. It's just what you eat in a day. But it has such a negative connotation. So I don't mean going on a diet. But every day we need to take fat in. We need to eat fat. We need to eat sugar. We need to eat fruits, vegetables. We need to eat dairy. We need to eat everything. Yeah, I'm on the same page. You know, just trying to get as much diversity as you can mm-hmm. is really the most important. You shouldn't be cutting one thing out. Because if you even see from this, it changes. The one thing changes. Mm-hmm. and. And with that, you know, they say, oh, well, there's new research that suggests this, new research that suggests that. If you actually go back and read the research, it's usually one little piece of evidence. Sometimes the sample size is very big. Sometimes it's just a case study. Sometimes it's really small things Mm -hmm. that they say, oh, hey, this one study says that we noticed that if you have 
whatever, low fat, whatever it can lead to most of the time, weight loss. And first of all, most of those diets that cut things out, not sustainable, will lead Mm -hmm. you to get into that yo-yo dieting, higher set point, that whole cycle for the, it'll keep going. Um, But yeah, I mean, like you said, a lot of people will just see that one study and say, oh, this is a new thing. And then businesses go, ooh, this is a new thing. Mm-hmm. And how many low-carb breads have you seen out there? How many sugar-free everything have you seen out there? Fat-free, like, yeah. It's grown and grown and grown and grown to the point that, you know, businesses are thriving off of these maybe one-hit wonder studies is what I'm going to say. Mm-hmm. So, and I think it's just – not to get too like depressing, but a lot of it I think is companies preying off people's hope, yeah, their hope and their lack of education about nutrition and their desire to want to reach their health goals. And most of the time, like you said, it is weight loss so badly that they're willing to do anything. And if it's come out that, and someone says and declares that cutting sugar your diet is the end all be all, then they're going to do it. Um, and again, promoting that, well, if you don't follow it and it doesn't work out, then it's your fault. It's not the diet's fault, but the reality is it's the diet's fault. Yeah. And yeah, if there's anything out there that tells you, you need to cut out any type of food group or cut out anything specific entirely, if it doesn't have to do with an insensitivity or intolerance or allergy, then stay red flag, stay far away from that because it's just not true. You can eat Anything and everything, everything can fit into a healthy lifestyle. Yes. And um, one thing I always say, too, just based on, you know, with the with the culture of everything, how much time and money has been wasted on people just being insecure? And how much could we have gotten done, especially women? How much can women have gotten done if we didn't have to worry about all this crap? Mm-hmm. So much. Oh my gosh. I've wasted so much time worrying about this. I could have been doing so many great other things. And I'm so So many years. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So much mental space, so much emotional space. Absolutely. Not needed. Not needed. Not needed. I agree. (sighs) Well, this is a great episode. And I appreciate you being here and listening. It's been fantastic. Fantastic. Thank you so much for tuning in, Taste Buddies. Like we say at the end of every episode, (laughs) rate us, leave us a review, drop lots of questions, please. Yes, we need new questions. Please, please, Mm -hmm. please ask us questions. Put it in the form. We will open a few questions on the Instagram as well so you can ask them there. Yes, absolutely. Thanks for listening, guys. We'll see you next week. Thank you. Bye. Bye.